And then how do I take what I've learned into the rest of my life? Because so often we are so incongruent in the rest of our life. It's what causes, you know, the great artists to be addicts or, you know, that kind of thing because, because we don't know how to cross that Rubicon. Hi, I'm Matthew Vandergeesen, and this is another podcast from The Embodiment Project. Today, you're listening to a conversation with students about the little things in life, where movement and relationship begin. It draws from examples from my personal and professional practice. Enjoy. So much of what we naturally do, or, or habitually do, is to think of what we're doing as something which is going to change um, what our experience is in the moment. You know, I, I've, my back is hurt or I just feel really stodgy or achy or whatever it is and I don't want to be in this place. And so these practices become like, a, like an escape hatch, like a, a, a way out of, of that stuck place. And, and it's understandable because it's a lot of what they do. They, they can become transformative. Uh, although, as you may have noticed at times, they also can really bring up to the surface exactly where things are at, which means that we can also feel like all those things we're trying to escape a little bit more. You know? So it's a little bit of a, of, of a, of a uh, conflicted place often and it can lend itself to that, let me do these things to get out of your place. The, the trick about that impulse is that whenever we turn what we're doing into an exercise, it tends to start getting infused with another thing that we need to do another fixing of ourselves and how we are in life. And just for that reason, because we are already so struggling so often with overwhelm anyway, that to slip into that approach of this is going to give me an outcome where I'm actually going to feel better means that there's going to be a part inside of us that will push back against that. We'll say one more, one more thing, and 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 here I go again. You know, I've, I've, and obviously I can speak from personal experience around this. That that you know, there's a part of me that just goes, yeah, and then I'm, and then here I am back in the same old place again. And and I think that there's something really, um, it breaks the spell of that place to come back to your curiosity and to say perhaps to yourself, let me just see what it's like this time. You know, let me just be curious about where, where would it go if I tried this? And that it becomes very experimental that way and takes that part of us that expects an outcome and puts us more into the place of being willing to be surprised this time, what happens. And if we put that together with the time-limited 
uh, approach, which is, in other words, to say, I'm going to do this for one minute or for 30 seconds or whatever it is, and to have a boundary around it, it tends to take those parts of ourselves that um, rebel against being pushed one more time to do one more thing for our own good. It becomes like you know, a, 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 a taking of, of cod liver oil or something like that. And, and instead gives us a time-limited chance to go into a bit of play space and to just take a look not only at our body experiences, but our attitudes in this moment. And it's often, as Elsa Gindler pointed out so, so clearly after all her work, it's often the attitudes that we start noticing that are some of the most instrumental pieces in driving us out of our body, connectedness. That, and th that's as simple as the attitudes of fixing, which automatically make the body a thing to be fixed, rather than some friend that we're on the outs with and would like to uh, get back connected to, like how do we repair the relationship gets lost then when we're in that fixing place. And so to really think of our, our experimentation as a way of saying, how are you doing? And what do we need to be reconnected? Of which one of the biggest pieces of it is how are my attitudes getting in the way of that? And that the experimental approach allows us to do that, to give us the space to, to wonder about that and to look at not just what that symptom is or that thing is that we're focusing on, but also how we are in relationship to it. And as I've been focusing more on developing uh, the journaling aspect of this, I'm finding that, uh, that tracking that through writing, that how am I in relationship to, has um, really become a really, uh, the journaling really makes it an important piece. It brings it to the surface where I can really sort of say, how, how am I feeling about this right now? And that as I notice that, I start to understand more about why returning to body connectedness can sometimes be such um, a difficult place to find in the rush of everyday life. And, and it, it really is the foundation for where the eighth and ninth weeks of this kind of cycle eventually take us to, where that becomes the real emphasis is looking at that, how am I in relationship to. But it starts with this very beginning place of just noticing, you know, what, what is there? For me, this is one of the values of having um, a community practice is because each part of this is so easy
to lose, to forget. And, and that the more people you have who are going through a different part of that forgetting, remembering cycle, then the more opportunities there are for someone to go, oh, the way you're telling this, that really reminds me of this whole thing that I've forgotten about this, how important it is. And it's like, it, it's fresh and new to us when, you know, we probably heard it who knows how many times before. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's so important to have these discussions and never, um, and, and know that they're never old, you know. You know, I find that around the practice of my, my bodywork practice, which, which for me, in the end, I, 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 it's engaging because I do it as a personal practice. It's like, how do I bring myself to it then becomes essential to whether it's alive or not. And, and I know that as I have gone through the decades of developing my work, it becomes easier for me to find those pathways to authenticity. You know, mm -hmm. to being present to myself and through that mm -hmm. being present to the other in the moment. And yet mm -hmm. I know that depending on the day that every single time I start, I'm going to have a certain amount of I-it-ness both to myself and therefore mm -hmm. because of that disconnect to the other person. And it may be at a level that is so subtle to the person I'm engaging with that they're going, oh my God, you, it, I just can feel the connection right away. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm going, well, we're still tuning the dial here. You know? <laughs> so I think the bar, the bar gets raised all the time to it. But I think it's just part of my experience of the human condition is that, is that anytime I come to myself, my stance will have a certain amount of that always. That because the, because the world, you know, as I experience it, is always a little bit not me. Um, and so what, what do you do in that moment when you notice it? I come back, if I'm doing well, I come back to myself. Because, because I've learned that mm -hmm. if I don't... Um, I'm just going to back out of this a bit because I, I years ago, I ran across this quote in um, a Bruce Lee movie, I think it is, where, <laughs> where he's taught, I know, who would think, where he where he's, comes across his old mentor and, and, and the mentor is kind of like checking him out and going, well, where have you got to after all, in all these years since, since you left me? And, and the mentor, at one point, he's asking him these questions. And one of the questions he says to Bruce Lee is, who is the enemy? And Bruce Lee says, there is no enemy. And, and that really stopped me for a long time. And it took me some time to figure out why it stopped me. And, and why, why it stopped me was because I realized it resonated with the, the experience I have internally when I'm in that kind of enhanced experience of being in my practice, which would be, I think, like a singer on stage or, you know, like when you're in those places where everything is up there and in its level of, of aliveness and, and the, 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 the stakes are at their highest in a sense, that 
that it becomes easier for me to understand that that tense muscle, that place of resistance in that person is actually a reflection to me of the places where I am stuck in myself. And that when I actually realize that the place of my, my disconnect, the, the enemy, so to speak, the, opposi the, op um, the oppositional force, I'm experiencing in my own reaction to the person, which could be to anything in life, right? To my movement or my singing voice or whatever it happens to be. Um, that, that when I stay present to that place, to the dynamic of that disconnect, like how my breathing has stopped or how I'm not connected to the ground or to my hands, I've lost the fullness of the touch. When I look for where that disconnect is happening inside me and stay present to the sensory tags that tell me it's there, they are the doorway, those sensory tags that lead me back into re-engaging, to feeling into my experience, what are those sensations, and through feeling them, it's a two-way street that through that, I also start to experience how much I am stopping it from affecting me. And in, in exploring the breakdown in that dialogue, as I experience it inside me, my hands, my sense of, of how movement should happen, shifts and magically the stuckness in the person starts to shift it as well. And it's not that I've fixed it, but I've, I've shifted in how I've been blocking the opportunities for change because I was not allowing myself to enter fully enough into the relationship. And as, as I experience that more fully within myself, the conditions change, the possibility for change happens within the other person's realm. And they go, oh, I see where I could go because I am now able to enter the dance with them in a way that, that, um, that allows for that possibility rather than a, a life that is constantly doing the same old, same old reaction cycle with them. You know, we, we have these places in life where we have brought our, where our passions have brought us most fully to understanding that dynamic. You know, that, that, that I, I recognize the places where um, my, my um, that the blocks around entering more fully into music through my voice and through instruments, um, that, that there hasn't been enough of the passion to move me through those particular blocks as fully as, as, as I wish at that time of my life had, had been there, had, had been a, a pathway for me. But my, but my bodywork practice has done that. It's like kept me with it until those doors started to open um, within me and, and that places that I was just hitting my head uh, started to unlock and uh, and so and so I think you know each one of us typically has a place where that something is calling to us that way 
uh, and and when we um, can start to explore that that place that pathway then this starts to um, this dynamic this this possibility of un unwinding starts to speak more fully and then the challenge becomes whether it's in um, teaching yoga or whether I'm a, a singer or you know whatever my work in you know, it, it is that then the challenge is and then how do I take what I've learned into the rest of my life mm -hmm. because so often we are so incongruent in the rest of our life mm -hmm. it's what causes you know the great artists to be addicts or you know mm -hmm. that kind of thing because because we don't know how to cross that Rubicon mm -hmm. um, and I and I, th I think that that is the biggest challenge you know I, I remember sitting at a in a lounge at a, at a, at a bar with with Don Hanlon Johnson uh, once and talking about how you know in the end the learning is in the little things the overlooked things those those little moments you know like the little person who's who's tugging at us at our arm for attention how important it was for me uh, to learn that and especially perhaps as a man to learn that um, raising children you know that that I can it's so easy it was so easy for me to get distracted by the big ideas and the work that needed to be done mm -hmm. and and to miss those little voices calling for relationship in this moment you know those little yeah. miracles of of connection yeah. Yeah. I've, I've really noticed that as I've been doing this this journaling process is how gradually it's turned into these rants about disconnect and it's felt <laughs> and it's felt so important because that's that's what's happening in this moment is feeling how how disconnected you know sitting at this desk in this moment it feels you know I mean it's so much easier to feel connected when I'm after an hour of yoga or, or you know, whatever else that I do that really brings that fully to me. But, but just to be present to myself in a quiet moment without any other practice to disrupt my tendency to disrupt myself really shows me um, much more clearly how I'm constantly putting a, 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 spoke in the, a stick in the spokes of my functionality. And so starting with this, you know, minimalist movement is very much a part of that, you know, mm -hmm. where, where hardly anything seems to happen. And certainly to anyone externally, it's like, what do you mean? You're doing something. And, and yet it's so much about where movement begins, where, where our engagement begins of looking at where the um, the community that gathers for movement falls apart and mm -hmm. and and so it becomes something which is possible in the quietest moments you know when when we're lying in bed in the morning or when we're s sitting you know having tea and, and looking out a window and just and just experimenting with a little gathering too or getting ready to and then like it's like a a tide coming in and then letting it flow back out again and, and just watching what did that do in that moment? Does it change how I am with, with this cup of tea in my hand or what I see out the window or just, you know, the busy thoughts that were going through my head and just 
noticing. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to know more about The Embodiment Project, go to our website at www.somatics.ca. That's S-O-M-A-T-I-C-S dot C-A. Until next time.